Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Sportive AF with Audrey Freeman. Now I couldn't be happier to be doing this podcast today and I think you guys will really enjoy the guest we had on, Catherine Boren. She is absolutely amazing inside and out and just had the best conversation. She really opened up and told me a lot about her life and what she was struggling with during COVID and yeah, I feel like it would be super insightful for all of you guys and I really hope you enjoy it. Okay guys, before we start, just make sure you're following Sportive AF on Instagram to make sure you're getting all the weekly updates of who we're having on next. I always do questions and answers, so if anyone has any questions for our upcoming guests, make sure you're checking our page. Also guys, just before we get started, make sure you're following Katie Boren on Instagram at katieboren1. And without further ado, let's get started. Okay, today guys, I am here with Katie Boren, professional dancer with American Ballet Theatre for over five years, danced some of the most iconic principal roles around the world, has over 150,000 followers on Instagram, plus another Instagram page with 20,000 followers dedicated to her extremely successful personal training career, where she offers personal training sessions to anyone aspiring to have a strong and healthy body, as she is also an NASM certified personal trainer. Wow, Katie, you are truly one of the most inspiring people I follow on social media at the moment, and I am so truly thankful to have you on my podcast today. So hello. Hello. That was quite an intro. Thank you. (laughs) Well, your career has been so amazing and honestly, it's so inspiring to have you on here. So thank you. Oh, you're happy to be here. Thank you. So how has your week been so far? Can you give us a little day in the life update of how it's been going post COVID? Yeah, my days are very different than they used to be. Um, It's been a crazy busy week, though. So now a typical day for me, I'll usually have one or two um, private clients that I'll train in the morning on Zoom. And then I'll try to take ABT company class at 11. Um, In the afternoons, I sometimes have a group conditioning class for ABT or for my own um, outlet, Katie Bourne Fitness. And then some days I'll have another uh, private session on Zoom around like five or six. I usually finish around seven. And then by the end of the day, it feels like I've just gone through, you know, like a full rehearsal day. <laughs> yeah. Like, hours are still dedicated into moving and training. Yeah, totally. No, that sounds super busy still. Did you find it hard during that period of isolation trying to keep fit? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, at first like it was very hard to stay motivated and um especially with like gyms closed and I felt like like I was deprived of so much like equipment and room and space and all this and then it kind of made me like sit back and like reevaluate be like well actually I can do so much for my body and for myself without any equipment like I really I don't need you know and 45 minutes on on an elliptical I can go outside jog walk run I don't need all these like machines I have in the gym, which are great, but hey, let's see how I can use my own body, like what I have in my apartment, like a chair or a wall. Um, There's a joke, every uh, Katie Bourne fitness class, we always have a 60 second wall sit. Um, So it was really hard at first. And then I kind of was like, oh, 
I really have so many tools at my hand that I don't need to leave my apartment for. And this is what everybody is dealing with. So let's see how I can make it work for me and hopefully inspire others to uh, take advantage of that. Yeah, amazing. And I've seen, I've been following your personal fitness account and all of your exercises are so amazing because really a lot of them are just using your body weight. Right, 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 right. And do you you can work out anywhere? (laughs) Yeah, literally. Like you could be anywhere in the world, don't need a gym or any equipment. Uh, And I think that's so good because especially during COVID and, you know, who knows, um, it's just so handy to be able to go to your account and see all of these exercises just at the touch of a finger that we could do to keep (laughs) our body strong and healthy and active. Yeah. That's my goal. So it really warms my heart to hear that. Oh, no, no, I'm sure. Well, I mean, 20,000 people think the exact same thing as me. And I'm sure (laughs) so many people find it helpful. So thank you. Of course. So you were saying at the start, you found it kind of hard, but then you found resources and found you could do a lot of things on your own without using the equipment, like going for runs. Did you find during that period you have you know, any low points of motivation? And I know personally, I did. And how did you cope with kind of getting out of that kind of, I guess, cycle of, you know, low motivation and thinking? Yeah, I mean, I definitely hit multiple low points, like it kind of would come and go in waves. Yeah. Um, You know, I think, for us at the very beginning, it was devastating, but I was kind of in this mindset of, well, it's just, it's just temporary. It's only like going to be a couple months. We're going to come back. So that motivated me to like really ramp it up and like stay in shape and take class every day. And then we hit the point where it was like, well, this is literally going on forever. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. And then mm-hmm. that's when all the questions came up. Like, why am I even doing this? Why am I trying so hard to stay in shape every day? And I found that what really helped me was luckily I was able to spend and the majority of the quarantine period um, at home with my family. So I was able to be surrounded by loved ones, by people who are very down to earth and people who do not put up with my shit. And if they see me in a low point, like, you know what, we're going to get you out of this because it's not necessary. Um, It helped me to like take the time to enjoy other things that weren't always revolved around training and rehearsing and, you know, the next performance coming up. So when I had that outlet, I could come back and be like, oh, well, I'm going to, going to take class today because it feels good for my body yeah and like I hung out with the family at the lake yesterday or like at a pool now tomorrow like maybe I'll do a bar because that feels good for me so it was kind of going from like one extreme to the other and mm-hmm. then finding like the middle ground because this has gone on a lot longer than <laughs> I think any of us anticipated uh-huh I think I totally agree with that and I think it's really lovely how you said, you know, at the start, obviously you were like, okay, let's go hard. Let's, you know, see how far I can push myself. But then you were kind of like, whoa, okay, take a step back, kind of reevaluate, you know, where you were coming from, from that, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) how much can I do by myself? And almost, I was the exact same at the start. You're kind of like, okay, this is time for myself. How can I, you know, push further and improve you know, by myself, but then it's kind of like, whoa, <laughs> why am I doing this if we're going to be in isolation for the next six months? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And it, you have that like second guessing, and it's like, I know so many people who have gone through that. And I think it's just like, especially with social media, seeing like people doing lots of things, sometimes you can be oh, like, God. yeah. 
it's, it's just a whole nother. Yeah, social media has been very uh, interesting for me throughout this period because it can be such a great positive outlet and like bring like create a great community, mm-hmm. but it can also just lead to the most negative thoughts and ideas. And we have to remember like what we see on social media is not real life, mm-hmm. and you have that as a way to be inspired and feel good about yourself and what you're doing. Yeah. So like even within all of the you know, struggles with trying to take class every day and stay in shape and like work hard. And now we're not getting in the studio for six months. There was also so much social media anxiety as, as like, well, I'm seeing so many people do more. Like I should do more, I should do more. And, and am I, what I'm doing, what I'm putting out there, like, do people like it? Are people going to like want to see this? And yeah, um, like I had like, as my family really came in and my boyfriend, they're like, girl, like you just do what makes you happy. And if you're <laughs> proud of what you put out, that's it. That's yep. all that matters. And I was like, oh, duh. All right. And then I hear from people like you and I, like what you said, really, it, it really touched me because that has been a struggle. And I think it's been a struggle for a lot of people mm-hmm. dealing with that social media anxiety. Definitely. And I know like exactly what you were just saying. It's like you see people doing like they're in their little studios practicing all day. And you're like, I literally feel like it's hard to just get through a bar sometimes. And it's like, whoa and then like that's when you kind of you get in your own head and you're like is this really like can I do this like for another six months like trying to do my own bar but struggling to do this like by myself and then you see people like practicing like solos in like these tiny rooms and you're like what (laughs) like you just get so like in your own head (laughs) yeah exactly so for people who don't know you Pretty much anyone who's watching this, I'm sure, knows how amazing you are and your life story. But can you just give us a little quick summary of how you got started into ballet? Sure. So I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. Um, When I was about three years old, my mom took me to see The Nutcracker, as every mother of a daughter does. And I think I was younger than three. I was maybe like two and a half. And everyone was like, oh, she's too young. She's going to cry she's gonna be like they have an annoying toddler in the audience <laughs> and apparently I like started crying after the first act because I thought it was over and I wanted to see more dancing and at that point my mom was like great this is this is what we've signed ourselves up for <laughs> so after that I wanted to go to the studio every single day you know it was like when you're a kid they were like okay take like one class a week two classes a week maybe three and I was like I want to go to six classes a week and <laughs> all I was like obsessed with it from the beginning that um, my family always encouraged it but they never forced it or pushed it they're like well do you want to try soccer too like let's do other <laughs> things but we can also do ballet no, I just want to do ballet oh, um so good. yeah very oh. serious blunt <laughs> yeah at a young age since day one <laughs> Steve, what was the first ballet nutcracker it was nutcracker yeah uh, <laughs> now I say I cry at nutcracker for Many different reasons, but it's definitely not out of like crying like Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, like why am I still doing Waltz of the Flowers with 18 million <laughs> Literally. Oh, so that's, that's quite a story. I mean, so many people I know like just kind of get pushed into it from like three because their parents like love the idea of ballet, but that really yeah. came from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was obviously looking at, you know, how you got started at American Ballet Theatre, one, literally one of the best companies in the entire world. 
and I saw that before you got offered a scholarship to JKO school, is that right? Yeah, so um, I was always doing the ABT summer intensives. Um, I think I started at the one in Austin, Texas, and then went to the one in New York after that. And from there, I got a national training scholarship, so then I would return every summer after that. And on top of that, I was doing Youth America Grand Prix, and um, the last year I did Youth America Grand Prix, I guess it was maybe 14 Wow. 15. Yep. Um, I was offered a full scholarship to JKL and then the next year moved up here and haven't looked back. The rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. That's amazing. And was that under Franco DeVito's uh, direction? Yes. Yes. It was like, it was in like Franco's earlier years, so I wasn't part of the first class, but um, like, I think I met him as a student when he had first come to the and I loved having him as a teacher in the summer program, um, and he, like, he really took a liking to me, um, and so and I think maybe like two or three years later was when I went, started going to the school full-time. That's amazing. But, yeah, Frank the best. Yeah. Oh. Very dear to my heart. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. And when you started, so you would have been around 15, did you move by yourself? So I didn't actually. My family um, moved with me. We, they picked up and moved from Dallas, Texas to Connecticut. Um, I had two younger sisters. And my family's very close. And my mom, of course, didn't want me by myself in New York at 15. But she also didn't want to deprive my little sisters from having a somewhat normal like school experience childhood growing up because this was their like middle school age like that's a very tender age for young girls to just pick up and like change everything for them um so we got a house in connecticut i would take the train in um to the city every day to go to jko um and then i would and it was nice because i would come back from you know the city and i'd have this like nice like suburban like home life that mm-hmm. felt normal but i felt like i was living in new york city so it was a nice transition yeah. then and i like learned how to be very responsible but without having to like you know truly worry because at least mom and dad were there if anything horrible went wrong um but then like a year or two later they moved back to texas um and i moved into the city that was when i joined abt2 so i think it was 17 when i was living on my own in new york city oh wow not many people can say they they've done that (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty cool and when did you realize, you know, you really wanted to do this professionally and, you know, you could see yourself doing it professionally? I mean, I think I was probably like eight or nine years old when I was just like gung-ho. I was like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm a ballerina, okay? Yep. <laughs> this is what I'm going to be doing. You're going to work. <laughs> and, and I guess knowing from that young age, it's just like, there's no doubts in your head. Of course, you have like times that are harder, but having that, you know, I feel like with ballet dancers, it's so good because we always start so young. So you have so Mm. many years of experience that you can look back on, but knowing that you wanted to do something from eight Mm. years old, like I feel like ballet or sports is kind of one of the only things you can really say, (laughs) like from eight years old, I know that's what I wanted to do. Exactly. <laughs> and when you were at the school of JKO school, did you, I know that a lot of the time when people are teenagers, you know, 
there's puberty, there's hormones going around. Did you ever find that, you know, you had doubts in yourself, like self-confidence or anything to do with like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough or, you know, that type of thing? Oh yeah. Those thoughts definitely were, would creep in. Um, and I think that for a young dancer, like that age is really, it's the toughest and it is so hard to battle through. And it's, you know, it's not so much about like the environment per se, but it's just, we are all so hard on ourselves and um, we're all so competitive by nature and it's so hard to stop, to stop yourself from competing with, you know, your peers and what you see in the mirror and all of that. And I definitely dealt with self-confidence issues. Um, so many doubts compared myself to everyone in the room, yeah. myself in the mirror every single day. Um, but luckily like I was able to overcome that. And I think it came a lot from my family and the support that I got. And I think I did have great, great teachers and like the school itself. I was um, very happy to be in, but I mean, I don't think I'd have a single colleague or peer who didn't go through those kind of feelings and that yeah. kind of, you know, oh, it's so hard. I, I do not want to be 17 again. That's no, for sure. No. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's definitely one of the hardest things I think dancers have to deal with. And it's one of those things that's like, there's no real cure to it. You just have like, you just have to kind of build your own strength, like mentally and physically, mm -hmm. because it is, yeah. it, it, it's so hard for everyone, as you said. It's so hard. Yeah. And what was it like? I know it would have been so crazy from kind of, I guess, being 15 years old, knowing you were at JKO school and then kind of working your way with the goal of American Ballet Theatre. What was it like when you found out you got into the company? Yeah, it was very uh, exciting. So from JKO, I went into ABT2 at the, at the time. That was what studio company was. And um, that was always like, that was my dream. I was like, I don't care what I do, but I really want to be in ABT2. It looks like so much fun. They perform so much. At that point, it was under the direction of Wes Chapman. And oh, they were doing like five, six long tours in Europe and um, performing like Allegra Brilliant and all this amazing stuff. And, amazing. and I remember it was like our end of year performance of JKO. We were doing Shades from the Bay there, our level was. And I was dancing with Nakia. Oh, the hardest God. thing I've ever I can't believe I actually did that on stage when I was like that age. Oh my god! Don't that, that know if I could do it right. Now. <laughs> I'm pretty but, sure. Um, I was like, I look back, I'm like, what was I doing? Um, <laughs> but so after that performance, I think I was still like in my tutu, and Wes Franco called me. He's like, hey, somebody needs to talk to you. And Wes was there, and he was like, so um, I'll see you on Monday. You're joining APT two. He was very like dry and like oh, cut to the chase, and I loved that about. Him. I yep. was like, yep. oh my God, really? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I spent, yeah. I spent two years with ABT2. It was the best two years of my life. Um, my company members in ABT2 are my best friends to this day. And luckily, a lot of them are in ABT right now with me. Um, we just created such an incredible bond and like saw each other at our worst and our best. That's what <laughs> happens when you stick 12, you know, young adults on the road together for six weeks in Europe. <laughs> but um, that was an amazing time. And then after, I, after ABT2, I apprenticed with ABT for their first, uh, for their Nutcracker. It was the world premiere of Ratmansky's uh, Nutcracker. Oh, wow. So I was a part of that. That's I was amazing. a part of that. And 
Yeah, that was a really cool experience. That was my first time, you know, experiencing Romanski in yes. any capacity. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, mind blowing. Um, but after that, I was planning on, you know, just falling and going right into ABT. But then I was approached by Vladimir Malkov while I was taking Nancy Bielski's class at Steps um, one day. And at this point, I was 19 years old. Okay. And he saw me in class and on the spot offered me a contract to his company in Berlin, which is Staatsballet Berlin. Wow. Um, and yeah, I was like, you know what? That sounds kind of cool, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've always wanted to dance in Europe. Like, that's yeah. an experience, and I'm 19. And, you know, I'm 19. I'm like, I really don't know what the heck I'm getting myself into. But um, <laughs> yeah. I decided to put ABT on hold at the moment. It was always there for me. It was always my, my family. Um, but it was something that, like, I, it's all that I had known for my entire, like, professional, pre-professional life. So mm-hmm. I think that choosing to step away and to experience Germany and experience dancing in Europe is the best decision I ever made. I learned so much, not just about, you know, myself, about myself as a dancer and as a human being and like putting myself in this completely foreign, unknown uh, situation. I went there and I didn't know a lick of German. Of German. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm from Texas, y'all. How's it going? <laughs> Yo. Oh, no, not this not American. Uh, so yeah, I had to learn really fast, but... Um, <laughs> I feel like if you were in Germany though like it would be so much easier to learn it than trying to learn it in America yeah yes that is very true uh definitely much easier (laughs) and did you find like it was a lot different I know European training is quite different to the American training but did you find that you know your style of dancing was a lot different to the others or it wasn't so much the style I found that um um, the style was not too too far off. I feel like it was kind of a melting pot, kind of like ABT yeah. is. Um, Sesquilly had dancers from all over the world. I think yeah. um, even the company there were only like a f- handful of German dancers. There are people wow. from you know Italy, from Mexico, like Korea, Japan, all over. So you really did see all styles. Um, but I think the biggest difference that I noticed was just how the company like schedule was structured and like how it worked, like how the inner workings um, of the company functioned. It was interesting because they had their own opera house and it was, everything was in house. And so we had an actual home and you would rehearse in the same place you perform in and you had, you know, your giant dressing room. It's it a very different way of, of working, I guess a way of living, performing with a European company than it is here where we, you know, I have to rent out the Met and we move in like the day before and unpack <laughs> yeah. all of our stuff, go, 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 and then have to shove everything out. And then we're like, we have nowhere to go for six weeks. We're on layoff. So it was very interesting to see how different uh, ballet companies could work. Yeah. Oh, totally. And what was your kind of day in the life in Berlin? Was it different, like a lot different or similar? It was, it depended on if we were performing and their performance schedule was much different they would perform kind of consistently throughout the whole year so it wasn't broken up into seasons so much it was almost like you're performing a couple shows a week um and it would always kind of be like it would be the same ballet for like a couple of months you do like 20 shows of this and then change to the next uh, one yeah. so if we were performing our rehearsal it would only be from like 10 a.m you have a class and then you rehearse a little bit until two and then they would let their dancers go home, have a nap, do whatever they needed to do, <laughs> and then 
come back to the theater at like 5.36, whatever you needed to be there for a 7.30 p.m. show. Um, So it it was a lot more performing, but it felt like a lot more downtime and recovery time. Yeah. Whereas when ABT is performing, you know, we don't get the luxury of extra rehearsal time. Mm. Um, so it's like you come in, you rehearse from 10 to 5.30 and then you're on show, on the stage at 7.30 and then you're back the next day and you do it all again. Yeah. You know, our rep is all changing. So we're rehearsing like 10 different ballets at one time. Wow. That, that must be a hectic schedule. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you love it. And like performing <laughs> at the Met, like that's pretty insane. It does make up for the craziness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when you're performing so much, I'm sure, but well, I'm sure by now you'd be used to all of like performing and like what you do beforehand. But do you have any like kind of, I guess, like rituals or like I, that sounds really like spiritual and everything? But like, do you have any like kind of things that you do before? Are you superstitious about stuff or? I'm not really, I wouldn't say I'm superstitious about anything, but I do always religiously give myself a bar before yeah. any performance. Like I, I'm a stickler about that. Like I need to get my body moving and I need, I need to feel the way that, um, cause like when you're on a rehearsal day, like you take class, you go into rehearsal if I'm going on stage, I want to go on stage performing the way I'm used to my body feeling when I'm dancing this role. So usually I've had a class or I've had a bar and then I rehearse. So I just feel like it's also mentally, it's a meditation. It's for me to like get in my zone and kind of separate myself from like the craziness going on backstage, just yeah. like my own quiet time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's some dancers who can just like throw on point twos, go out there and like whip out 32 double fortes. <laughs> like how the heck do you I could not I'm do like, that. I would fall. <laughs> Literally, like, <laughs> I have to have like an hour long warm up. Then I need to like do the bar. Like I need to like get in the zone. Yeah. <laughs> and do you listen to like any music beforehand or do you try and just kind of like, I guess, meditate like you said? No, I'll put on music. I'll put my hands on and just play whatever music I'm like listening to at yeah. that time. Sometimes it's like emo nonk. Sometimes it's country. Like it could be absolutely anything. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> okay. Well, now, now, because of your knowledge in the fitness industry and the proof in your amazing physique and how fit and healthy you are, I guess a lot of the questions that we asked on Instagram were to do with, I guess, achieving the strong, healthy dancers physique. And is it more than just working out and eating healthy? Yes. Uh, I would say it's definitely more than that. And I think it's like 99% your mental health. Definitely. And I think um, you always have to put that first. And yes, it's great to eat healthy, but if you want to have that, you know, extra slice of cake at a celebration or you're over 21 in America, that extra glass of wine or a glass of <laughs> wine, um, it's, it's, it's so easy to go into such a restrictive mindset. Yeah. Um, and I find that I do that myself. Um, so being able to notice that and be aware of that and to have the mental strength to say it is okay to enjoy like it is. It's okay to enjoy. It's definitely, definitely our only life. Like do, do what makes you happy. And like for me, staying fit and we're exercising and getting healthy does make me happy. Yeah. Um, but I've also that if I don't allow myself to enjoy and enjoy my com- the company around me and like my friends want to go out and like have a normal fun night, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be the one to be like, oh, I need to like make sure I have like my ice water with lemon. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like this is you know 
me as well. Yeah. Um, and be sure that you're surrounding people who will encourage that. Because if you're allowing toxic people in your life and into your mindset, that's just going to ruin you and bring you down. And it can be really hard to, you know, even notice when they are being toxic people and to be able to cut them out. Um, but that really is the most important thing, I think. Yeah. Oh, I totally definitely agree. And I think it, it's also, I think, one of the hardest things. It absolutely is. Even to this day, I still I can't catch myself, you know? Yeah, oh, of course. I feel like it's a constant kind of thing that you need to like be on top of and, and to not slip into, as you said, that kind of bad mindset of restricting yourself. Yeah. So someone, someone's asked a question, which I think kind of is on the same topic as what we were just talking about. And it was, how do you find the balance between training to improve strength and tone your muscles to look your best for ballet without becoming too obsessive over the body shape? Yes, that's, um, that's an interesting question. I have a couple of different ways to answer that. Yeah. Um, but first of all, like when I, I find that when I am doing my workouts and I'm doing my conditioning and cross training, I don't do it in front of a mirror. Um, I mean, that helps that I'm in my apartment right now and I don't have, you know, a yeah. full length video or gym mirror, but these exercises are to build strength and coordination and enhance your technique. It's not, you know, yes, it's going to slim you down. It's going to tone you and you're going to look like a dancer, but that's not the purpose. And I don't want to sell it. But like do this workout and you're going to look like a ballerina. Yes. It's is more about functional. Like this is going to help you when you're in the studio. Um, so I, I didn't really do this on purpose, but I think I would suggest, you know, try to do these exercises without a mirror so that you're actually feeling, you know, the strength come from within your body, feeling the muscles that are working, what you need to coordinate to, you know, make it all function properly as opposed to staring at it in the mirror and just staring at that one muscle and you know then we get in our head and you're like well why aren't you more chiseled why aren't you yeah tone blah 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 no, no. um but yeah you also have to go to it think knowing these are these are created for one purpose and the purpose is to enhance your technique and to build on it and to strengthen it and to hopefully make the work in the studio slightly more easier even though that's nearly impossible because that is hard <laughs> that is so hard Ballet is really hard. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like it's like, there's like the whole physical aspect, which is just so hard. And then it's like on top of it, the mental and emotional side of it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's definitely not for the faint hearted. (laughs) That is true. That is very true. And I don't know if you've been ever injured in your ballet career so far, but if you have, do you have any tips on people, you know, struggling with it? And I was injured for about eight months. And for me, it was the hardest thing mentally more than physically. Yeah. Um, I, knock on wood, have not had to deal with any serious injuries in my career. Um, I had one tiny ankle issue that took me out for like two weeks maybe so it's really nothing um I don't feel like I lost any time at all but no I've had no serious injuries um I've been very very blessed and lucky in that way and I do think that it comes from the um care that I put into strengthening my body outside of the studio um that also comes from when I was younger I was very gangly and like very very in bones and so hard to build muscle. So I knew I needed to build the strength um, or else I would, you know, easily get injured. I was um, 
really got into all this cross training to avoid that and um, to build the strength. But for anyone who is dealing with that, it's so hard to spend that time out of the studio. And it's so hard to see your coworkers um, in the studio every day, like get it. And you feel like it's major FOMO. Like you wish you were there. Um, But it is temporary. It is temporary. Um, You know, I, I always see my colleagues who have babies and they come back and like they've been, you know, they've had many months that they had to stay away uh, while pregnant and then the baby came and then months later they're back in the studio and it's just it mind blowing how quickly it comes back and how amazing these women are that they're like taking care of a child at home and they are back in the studio just as though they've never left. So yeah. don't be too hard on because it does come back. That's what you have to think. Like, yes, it's eight months away, but how many months and how many days and how many years has your body been practicing ballet? Like, it's not going to forget that. You know, it's 18 years versus eight months. It's, so it's really... Yeah, no, that's, that's really great advice. And I loved how you said it's just temporary. And I think that's something we should always remember. Like, it's not forever. Exactly. So... There were questions as well about avoiding bulking the muscle um, and how to strength train because I know a lot of your exercises are amazing for ballet technique, but I know some people are worried about, for example, maybe doing squats or something. And I feel like there's that whole stigma behind strength training causes bulky muscles, yet in reality, it doesn't. It's a myth. Yeah. Don't believe that. <laughs> no, it's, I hear that. I hear that all the time. And I have some people say to me like, well, I'm not going to do any squats because I don't want to like, I don't want to get like big size or whatever. Yeah. But when you're jumping, you're going from a deep plie and you have to have strength to propel yourself into the air. Doing squats is not going to give you these massive bodybuilder thighs. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, and, but I, I do take it into consideration. All bodies are different and some bodies do build muscle. Yeah. quicker and uh, hardest time building muscles on my legs um so the first time I ever saw a definition and I was like whoa what is where did that come from <laughs> um but yeah that that is a myth it's not going to cause bulky muscles it's not like we're adding you know massive loads to all of these exercises all body weight um a little extra weights here and there but yeah when I hear people are afraid of them like no that's not how it works <laughs> yeah yep definitely Well, that is good that we can now say that is 100% a myth. Um, I know as a dancer, especially with your insane schedule at ABT and also doing the personal training, you can definitely be exhausted and drained after some days. What do you do, you know, when you're feeling a bit drained or exhausted and maybe you wake up and feel like, oh, I just want to like lie in bed all day, but obviously you can't. What do you do for that? Um, I will, I'll definitely like lend my couch. This is the first time as an adult I've like owned my own couch and I've had room for a couch in my apartment. So that's very exciting. That is um, So I'll take advantage of the couch. Usually when it comes to Netflix, like I just finished The Haunting of Bly Manor. I was very into The Haunting of Hill House. Right now I'm watching Evil. So I like like really dark, like twisted yeah, things. That are no, that's great. I do too. <laughs> My tiredness and sadness, I'm like, it could be so much worse. But yeah, I'm also, you know, when it's the season, I'm a big football fan. So yeah. it's nice now to have like, you know, you can spend a Saturday or Sunday on the couch watching the games. I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but um. I enjoy doing that and taking my mind off of things. I really love reading. Um, yes. And I, I read on a tablet. Like I have to have 
a paper book. I have to have it in my hands. Um, mm, yes. So I love, I love that. If I'm home in Texas, I just play with my dog and I think he's like so annoyed with me because all I do is just like lie on top of him and try to get him to <laughs> snuggle. And he's like, what are you doing? You crazy woman. <laughs> That's literally me as well. My, I swear my, I've got two little dogs and I swear they hate me sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm all I'm trying to do is give you guys love like just I love me that's all I ask from you yes, yeah I yes. know my family we have precious golden retriever um but he's you know he's very used to being the only child now because me and both my sisters are we're adults and we're out of the house so whenever <laughs> I come home like it's nice for him to have friends but then he realizes he's like oh well they're in my space now <laughs> it's really funny I would like set up this home it was the funniest thing I would set up my like yoga mat and my, I basically turned my parents' dining room into my gym. Perfect. Down there, my mat, ability ball. And every morning I would come downstairs and out of this five bedroom house, my dog, Harley, would be lying on my yoga mat in the dining room, just waiting for me. And he'd look at me and then he'd just put his head back down and go back to sleep. And I'm like, all right, dude. You're like, cool. We got, a <laughs> we got some boundaries. Yeah. That's like, I don't know if you saw, but like in every workout video that I would do by the pool, he would just make an appearance in some form or fashion. Yes. Like he would ignore me the whole time. And once that camera came out and he knew <laughs> I was like trying to like get content to content, he would just like sit in front of the camera or like go in the pool and just sit in the pool and watch. <laughs> I was like, you just win. That is hilarious. Your dog loves the limelight. <laughs> he does. It's so funny. I love dogs. I feel like they're just one of like the best ways to just feel like a kid again. Oh my god, yes. Um, I want one so badly for myself. Yes. What 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 type of dog would you get? I would get a English cream dachshund mix. Oh, it's basically I call it a New York size golden retriever. <laughs> I've already been like looking at places where I can get one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like as well everyone got like a dog during COVID. Yeah, they did. <laughs> like so many people I follow on Instagram are like, I got this new dog and it's like perfect, like beautiful little dog. Like I'm like, I've got two dogs. Got a dog. A new one. Yeah, they either got a dog or they like died. They her pink. Yes, yes. There was that purple. Well. All great ideas. I'm just too lazy to <laughs> do any of that. Yeah, same. So thank you, Katie. I think we're going to wrap it up here. You have been just honestly the oh. best person to talk to. So, so inspiring. And, oh, you're sweet. <laughs> and I'm sure so many people feel the exact same way as I do. I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to do this. Uh, I'm so grateful. And yeah, thank you so much. You're so welcome. I had a great time. You're the sweetest. Oh, thank you so much, Katie. Of course. Okay, guys. So that is it for today's podcast episode. I really, really hope you enjoyed it. Katie is just the sweetest person inside and out, but also such a hard worker and so dedicated to what she does. To stay tuned with who our next guests are and who you guys want, please follow us on Instagram at SportiveAF and please follow us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys so much and please have the best day or night wherever you are. Lots of love, Audrey.